If you're a loyal listener to the WorkWell podcast, then you know that I'm a breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in May of 2016. It's something that I talk about often because it's a big part of who I am. But there's one aspect to my recovery journey that I don't talk about enough. It's the people, the people who helped me and supported me along the way. Not just my friends and family, but the other patients and caregivers who I met that mentored me through one of the toughest challenges of my life. This is the WorkWell podcast series. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things well-being. I moved to Chicago from Detroit, and I remember thinking at one point at 28 when I was finishing, if I live to see 30 years old, it's going to be the greatest success ever. It's like kind of all I wanted was to see 30. And it's amazing how lucky we are in life. You know, we go through these challenges, and now this is all just bonus time. I'm here with Johnny Emmerman. Johnny is a cancer survivor who co-founded Emmerman Angels. It's a nonprofit organization that connects a cancer fighter or caregiver with someone who has fought and survived the same cancer. Carl knows firsthand the impact that Emmerman Angels has on families battling cancer. You know, I'm not, it was rough on me. I mean, I'm not embarrassed about this. I live about an hour away. When it first happened, it took me an hour. Right, all the way home, I'd cry all the way home, pulled in the driveway, had to stop, okay? Had to stop because no one could see those emotions from me. I had to at least put on a strong face, but physically, Jen, Johnny, I did not take good care of myself. I'm also joined by my colleague and friend, Carl Allegretti, the managing partner of Deloitte's Chicago practice, and someone who was a source of strength for me during my own cancer battle. So, Johnny, I want to start with you. Tell me your story and how you came to create Emmerman Angels. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate you guys having me. Um, I'm a lucky guy. I was uh, grew up in Detroit area in my 20s at 26 years old. All of a sudden, get diagnosed with testicular cancer. Was the last thing in the world I was thinking about. You know, you're hanging out with friends. You're going out on dates. You're Being just a 26-year-old. <laughs> thinking, yeah, you're just a normal person trying to grow up and figure out who you are and what you want to do with your life and career. And I uh, immediately went into surgery, went to chemo, surgery is the better part of two years. I was either living at back at my mom's house and she was driving me for eight hours of chemo or I was uh, at the hospital. And uh, I just kind of looked at life differently and decided to quit my uh, corporate job in commercial real estate. And I moved to Chicago mm-hmm. from Detroit. And I remember thinking at one point at 28 when I was finishing, if I live to see 30 years old, mm-hmm. it's going to be the greatest success ever. It's like kind of all I wanted was to see 30. And it's amazing how lucky we are in life. You know, we go through these challenges and now this is all just bonus time. But obviously leaves a big impact. Um, Definitely changed my career. You know, I looked at life, I think, with a different perspective. And um, a group of survivors um, got together to say, hey, look, we can impact those who fight cancer today with our stories, with our friendship, with the knowledge of the experience. You know, we're all scared when it starts. So we we tried to create a system to empower people with cancer. And uh, we created an organization now, a nonprofit, that we're blessed to be the largest in the world of its type. And it's called Emmerman Angels. And we match a survivor up with someone one-to-one fighting the same cancer, same age, same gender. Everything's the same. It's like your twin, but this person's been through it, and they can coach you and mentor you mm-hmm. along the way. 
talk to me about this notion of psycho- psychosocial support and why it's critical to cancer patients' journey, but really kind of all aspects of life where we might struggle with something so traumatic or unexpected. Um, I think that that the mind piece is, is such a huge piece in everything in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, really have the mind and the body. And I think they're swirled together inseparably, and you have to treat both of them, probably starting with the mind, but next to the body, and treat them as healthy and well as you can. And I think it's pretty typical that families like all three of us who've been really deeply affected by cancer, we start analyzing, you know, what can we do to keep our mind low stress? What can we do to keep our minds centered and focused in the moment so we can enjoy the people we love and work on projects that are important and, and be in the moment? It starts with a healthy mind and body. Mm. I happen to agree with you. <laughs> so, Carl, I'm going to switch to you. I know this is something you've experienced firsthand as a caregiver for, for your son. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and then tell us how you got connected with Emmerman Angels and what that that, that has meant to you and in, in your life and your family's life. Sure, Jen. It's great being here with two friends and people that actually battled it and beat it. Uh, you guys are my heroes. And uh, Jen, you and I were working together. Go back to 2007, and I was in your hometown on vacation. And uh, I got two boys, Joey and Nikki. I'm not so sure a 28-year-old and a 23-year-old appreciate being referred to as Joey and Nikki now, but <laughs> always going to be my Joey and Nikki. <laughs> but uh, they were young then, and uh, Joey, my oldest, was struggling breathing uh, in December, and uh, he was wrestling, and he had real tough time uh, breathing, um, and we kept going back and forth to the doctor, and they said it was bronchitis. Okay, everybody's sick in Chicago in December. I get it. <laughs> um, we went to the Orange Bowl, and he couldn't breathe going down the exit ramp. And I said, Tammy, I'm done. I said, either we're going home tomorrow or I'm taking him to the doctor at 2 o'clock in the morning. I took him to Miami Children's. Um, he felt better. They put him on the breathing machine. I said, Doc, x-ray his chest. Let's see what's in there. 6 a.m., the doc came out and said, there's a mass around his heart, his esophagus. He's got leukemia. Mm-hmm. So I got the news. And... Um, you know, we started the journey. We started the journey, Johnny, by 10 o'clock that night. Mm-hmm. He was on chemo, and someone put me in touch. Uh, you know, we wanted Joey to talk to somebody. I wanted to talk to parents that had been through similar uh, issues. And my wife, Tammy, said, do what you need to do. He's going to be fine, okay? But that's how she handled it, right? That's how she handled it. My wife is the rock, okay? Uh, everybody handles things differently, and I wanted information, I wanted to talk to somebody, which is your mission, Johnny, Immerman Angels, that no one goes through cancer alone. Uh, you brought down uh, a mentee. You found an athlete, all right, that, that Joey could relate to uh, that had leukemia, and they, they built a relationship. And then I talked to a couple parents. And you know what? Just hearing good stories help me get through it again everybody needs somebody to help them through this and everybody gets through it a little bit differently and and the great thing is well joey got married a year and a half ago mm-hmm. right because of the support that he had the strength the courage and who was at the wedding johnny mm-hmm. so that is such a cool story and you know what i'm uh, forever indebted to what you did and the relationship joey came back and um he ran his first marathon, the Chicago Marathon, in October of 17 or 18. He ran it for Immerman Angels. 
and um, one of the coolest things around mile 22. My oldest son, people may know, he's now a rookie on the Kansas City Chiefs, but at that point in time, he was playing football at Illinois. Uh, the Saturday before, he played in Rutgers in Jersey, at Rutgers in New Jersey. He landed that night, he drove home, and he met his brother at mile 22 mm. and ran a little bit with him to help motivate him to get to the finish line. So, yeah, and people get through it in a lot of different ways, and there's all these great stories, but... No one fights it alone, or no one should fight it alone. So, Johnny, I want to go back to some of your comments around, you know, it's the body and the mind, it's all connected. But can you talk a little bit more about what psychosocial support is and why that's so important? I mean, I think we can all kind of infer, especially from, you know, Carl's story, my own story about, you know, surrounding yourself with others who prop you up, who help you fight, who help you get through it, whatever it is, whether it's cancer or something else. I totally agree. I think we all agree. The mind is so key in the cancer fight. And, and you know, focusing on Joey for a second, when he was going through it, um, he's going through treatments. He's still wrestling this kid. He, he He's on chemo and he loses by one point in the finals. And the next year he beats cancer, comes back and wins it. I mean, you want to talk about mental strength mm-hmm. in a teenager, to have that sort of determination and focus to be able to still have goals and not just stop because you're sick. I mean, that is the great example of the power of the mind and um, super, super kid. So the power- getting choked up. People can't (laughs) see it, but Johnny is getting choked up. Yeah, I I cry at least (laughs) once every day. And I feel like if we don't do that, we're not really living connected to things that really matter in the world. So I usually look forward to a good good cry at least once a day. This might actually be number two today. We can pause if you need a good cry. That's all right. That's all right. I'll power through it. I just let the tears roll. You don't even wipe them away anymore. I think it's healthy. And, And I also, before I answer that question, I want to point out something great that Carl said because Joey's mom, you know, Carl's wife was like, we're, you know, I'm good. Like, you do what you need to do. I'm going to focus here with my kid, and he's going to beat it. But I, I love that because it does really illustrate the, pow- the, the need that everyone's different. I mean, the least likely group to reach out to Emmerman Angels for support are men over probably like 55. So, I mean, it says a lot about you too, buddy, that you're <laughs> someone who can reach out because everybody needs it. I mean, ever, I think everyone needs it. Cancer is traumatic for the cancer fighter, as we all know. It's traumatic for the parents. It's traumatic for the siblings, just like Nikki. I mean, coming back. I mean, that's love coming back on that flight. But back to your question, you know, the, the need for psycho, psychosocial support, I think there's a lot of ways to solve this problem. There's things like group support. We're a group of breast cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you took advantage of that, Jen. I, did, I hope yes. you did. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love it. Community, right? Um, sharing information, tips. Um, maybe one of the women in that support group is 24 and she doesn't have kids yet. And are these chemos going to take away that ability? I mean, that is tough, tough stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Dating, when you look different, having a mastectomy or um, any sort of surgery, when you feel different or your body's different, these are hard issues for a younger person and an older person. I was going to say, they're equally as hard for older, if if I'm older. I don't know. I have a birthday birthday coming up, so I'm (laughs) feeling older. (laughs) (laughs) Still young. You got to live young. That's the key. That's what we control. The point is, is I think it's hard for everybody, regardless of age. It's hard for everybody. Some people find community that way. Mm -hmm. Other people find community, kind of like Carl said. I wanted to talk one-on-one with 
with another dad. I mean, that's really where I would be too mm -hmm. had we had Immerman Angels when I was diagnosed. Like, I would have just wanted a buddy yeah. that was like in the 20s mm -hmm. who was like, oh yeah, like I go to the gym every day. Here's what you should expect when you start chemo. You can work out maybe one day a week, two days a week. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be at 40%, 60%. I mean, I just didn't know the answer to these questions because I didn't know any other young adults in 2001 right. who'd gone through the same chemos and same treatments. But one thing is for sure is that there's tons of research that proves over and over that people that are more optimistic, that are more positive, that are happier, that are in a laughing in a good mood during cancer, they do better, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. They simply beat cancer more often, they live longer lives, um, they're more likely if they're gonna thrive with it and it's stage four, they might live three, four times the data in many cases, mm -hmm. but the data really, really proves that people that are happier do better and there's only more and more research coming out on piles and piles yeah. of other research and I think it just proves that we, we need that. You cannot fight this alone. You cannot fight this in your house by yourself. That leads to depression, to be straightforward for people sort of disconnecting. Yeah, no, and, and that really resonates me with me, I think, after coming out of my own fight with cancer, one of the part of my mission is to say, look, you know, here's my here's my cell phone number. Text me at any time, you know, with any question that you might think is the most ridiculous question in the world. I'm I'm here for you, and that was my commitment coming out of this, not only to myself to say how do I pay it forward, but you know, I had so much of that support from others going through it within Deloitte and, and externally that it made such an incredible difference to me. So that, that sense of community, sometimes I just need to talk about it. I don't need you to fix it or solve it or even say anything. Just like listen to me and tell me you love me. <laughs> mm, awesome so. doing that. How did it make you feel, not to ask you a question, but how did it make you feel through sharing and opening yourself up and giving back to these people? So I think that the very first time I shared my story, it was it was scary, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it's very vulnerable to talk about, you know, your the, the scars and the changes. And, you know, it's traumatic for everyone, I think, in particular women losing your hair, losing your eyebrow. You know, I mean, you look at yourself and you don't recognize the person that you see in the mirror. And that's really hard. And I think sharing it for the first time just takes you back to that place of, you know, how hard it is. But what you also realize through the process is that hair grows back and I actually like my hair better now. So that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, but those are like, those are things that you share with others is like, yeah, you're going to lose your hair. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's to me, that actually might've been the hardest thing. And I think a lot of people kind of share that sentiment but it's emotional also because I've survived. And it also reminds me of the people that didn't make it, which is always, you know, I mean, it's kind of sad, right? There's there's way too many that didn't make it. And so it's it's one of those bittersweet things that no matter when I share it, it brings up a lot of emotion. But, um, but in sharing my story, it has created a sense of community and permission and belonging for others to reach out and say, hey, this is, this is okay, um, and I'm going to make it, or there's people that are here to support me. Carl, I want to go back to you as a caregiver. You know, caregivers, you know, caregivers need love too. <laughs> but they're but they're often a, an underserved population, you know, it, especially when you're taking care of somebody that you love or that you care deeply about. Um, as human beings, I 
our inclination is to pour everything into that other person and, and forget about kind of taking care of ourselves. What are your tips for caregivers, you know, taking care of themselves or seeking support as you did, you know, asking to talk to others and creating a community? So it's interesting, Jen. Um, and when I answer that question, when I talk to people that are in the situation that I was, I say, learn from my mistake because I put everything into my son and him getting better. I mean, whatever he wanted to do, he was a really interesting case. I mean, he would have chemo in the morning and he would be in the gym that night. So if you ever, if you ever think you're having a tough workout, <laughs> go, go work out with somebody that had chemo in the morning. And one of the highlights of my career here at Deloitte um, is Jen and her journey um, we had a partner meeting in Vegas a few years ago, and she had a boot camp, and we had partners, and was she was my partner. She was battling it. I was in the middle of chemo. She was yeah. in the middle of chemo. So two points. One, um, if you ever think you're having a hard workout, go work out with somebody battling something. But then you see that, okay? And I saw it with Joey, and in that workout with Jen, I saw it. Ain't nothing going to stop us. Ain't nothing going to stop us. And I remember cutting... Uh, working with Joey, and, and I saw he was not feeling good. And I said, okay, we're done. Last set, he said, I'm not done yet, okay? So I knew from that point nothing was going to beat that kid. He said, and he finished the workout. So that that's not a direct answer to your question, but I put everything into him. So now the caregiver point, I took terrible care of myself, mm -hmm. okay? Terrible. And... Um, and it changed my life. I mean, um, I did not sleep well. I, I was always a big exercise guy. I stopped. Um, when we beat the journey, when we got through the journey, I got back at it. But then I realized how much better I would have been for Joey, probably for my wife Tammy and Nikki, that you know, I'm not, I, I, it was rough on me. I mean, I'm not embarrassed about this. I live about an hour away. When it first happened, it took me an hour, right? All the way home. I'd cry all the way home, pulled in the driveway, had to stop, okay? Had to stop because no one could see those emotions from me. I had to at least put on a strong face, but physically, Jen, Johnny, I did not take good care of myself. So what I do tell caregivers, I know you got limited time and you want to sit there and watch uh, and you're going to put everything you can into your loved one, go for it. But take a little bit of time. Let them sleep while they're sleeping. Go do whatever you need to do for yourself because the better you are, the better you'll be for that person and the job that you have, which is a very important job on this journey. I know Carl very well. He knows me very well. I never heard that story. and. Um, you know, it reminds me of my mom too. Like I never saw my mom cry during treatment. And then I said to my brother, like after two years of this, I'm like, Jeff, how has mom not broke down and cried? And he goes, oh, she's cried. <laughs> not Just from not you. in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she would like walk, you know, down the hallway to do what she needed to do in the, in the cancer center, but never in front. But so yeah, that, that definitely strikes a chord right there. Um, advice. Now, this is an important topic mm -hmm. because, you know, we don't, no one expects, like the three of us who've been through cancer, expects other people who have not to really understand, you know, what to say or do. And I think that's key. Like, it is. you know, we're not going to judge them. We, we, we don't expect people to get it. But the best advice that I feel 
is there's really five things you 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 can do you send text messages um, or emails but say five things I think I love you care about you thinking about you sending you good energy um, hope it's a good day you know if you send those statements that are positive and loving to a friend who is sick and notice those are all like positive statements but none of them end in a question mark because when you have a question mark or you ask a question it does pull that person have a responsibility to reply mm -hmm. and we all know when you're going through it there's a lot going on and it's difficult and there's things like blood clots midstream and chemotherapy there's things like we thought the cancer was out after a mastectomy and oh my gosh we see three more tumors we're going right back in for russian there's so many it's anything from a to b and it's so many things happening that that person should never feel the cancer patient pressure to respond if they want to talk about it with you they'll let you know mm -hmm. take their guidance if you're a close enough friend which hopefully you are they're going to open up to you and they'll tell you but you really don't have to ask more about it um too much i think with a close friend it's better to make you know i love you care about you thinking about you sending you good energy those little texts i used to get those from friends one of my buddies used to leave voicemails uh, a guy friend of mine from growing up and say i love you johnny you're my boy you're gonna beat this and like i couldn't even call back i couldn't text back but every one of those sometimes multiple times i would listen to it over and over just for motivation mm -hmm. yeah and i i would add um and one of the things that I personally struggled with is I had a ton of support. I was very fortunate. People texting me, mm. showing up to chemo, you know, any basically anything that I needed anyone to do. Um, where I actually struggled was after it was all over. You know, when you're done with chemo, when you're done with all the doctor's appointments, when you're done with the surgeries and everyone you know, you're celebrating and everyone's celebrating and thrilled and happy for you because you're done. And you're kind of like, okay, what next? Like what, you know, I mean, you've been in this mode of fighting for so long and you've had the support. And then again, not bad intentions, but it just, everybody's like, all right, Jen got through this. We're all thrilled. We're all happy. We're moving on, which is the right thing to do. But I was like, uh, oh, like wh where'd everybody go? And what I'm, what am I supposed to do now? And what's my new normal? And what, you know? And so I always encourage people like don't, don't stop supporting those because chemo's over, or because surgery's over, because for me the hardest part was like after all of that. It wasn't. I mean, going through it sucked. Don't get me wrong, but the hardest part was after. And like, okay, what is new normal? And what is you know? And you have all these fears of. You know, what is it, you know, what if it comes back and, you know, like, oh, my God, my knee hurts. Maybe I have kneecap cancer. You know, it's like you have all of these irrational thoughts, right, of like anytime anything hurts or you have a headache or, you know, and, and how to deal with that on, you know, on a mental and emotional level is was where I really struggled was after. So I always like to tell people, like, keep at it for a while after, not just during because they still they still really need you. So what's your advice? So <laughs> I agree with both of you. Yeah. Um, and I had a friend that called me every day, okay, and didn't ask questions, but I knew he was with me every day. So that just agrees with your point. I'm going to take it uh, a little bit different direction, but this is uh, a father whose daughter did not survive. Mm. And you, you know what? You don't know what to say. Um, and I learned from him. And here's a guy that 
you know, I had this, my son lived, his daughter lost the battle to leukemia after three tries, mm. 100% bone marrow transplant and it didn't work. Um, and you know what, I've known this guy forever and I you know, wrote him notes and cards and then I didn't know what to say. And then on Thanksgiving, he sent me a note, Happy Thanksgiving. And I said, how could this guy do it before I sent him a note? So my point is, don't change. Yeah. Don't shy away. Don't shy away. And, and I've learned from him. I mean, my most important things in my life are my family. And I could never imagine what he's now lived through. That's a couple months old. And he has been relentless. I got a text last weekend. You know what? I, didn't, I don't want to bother Nikki, but wish him good luck in the game. <sighs> don't change. Yeah, really. Don't change. Don't shy away. And I learned from a guy that lost his oldest daughter. Don't mm -hmm. change. Yeah. 100% agree with that. It's worse to say nothing. Yeah. Than what? saying, don't be afraid Anything. of saying the wrong thing. Right. Yeah, I was so mad Say at myself. Say something, and and you know, don't be worried about. Because to your point, we understand. You know, I mean, like if you say the wrong thing, we know that it's not. What is the wrong thing? We know that it's coming from a good place, right? Yeah. And and I think the don't change point, Carl, is incredibly powerful, because for me, when I was going through it. I craved a sense of normalcy. I didn't want to sit around and be depressed about right. the fact that I had cancer. I wanted my friends and my family, and I wanted to go out and I, I wanted to feel like a you know like a normal person, right? And sometimes I didn't feel like a normal person. Sometimes I just wanted to be in bed. But when I wanted to feel about like a normal person, I wanted those people around me. And to your point, to not change, to have the same ridiculous conversations that we had about you know like. Ha like live life and be happy and be joyful and you know and and not have to always be you know fighting or in that mode of you know of of can cancer land you know um and kind of having those opportunities to get out of it um, i want to cover one other topic and we've touched on it through throughout our conversation I think a lot of us, Carl, myself, once you go through something, you, it's the whole reason you started your organization, right, is because you have this, this sense of wanting to give back. And so what is the impact on, on the mentors? Well, you guys are both awesome. You both do it. You know, you both share. And you talked earlier a little bit, Jen, specifically yeah. about the people you shared your story. It was hard. I, I get that. It was hard for me, too. You know, I think for a lot of us to dig back in, uh, really tough journey times in our lives and to really answer your question jen you know um how does it make us feel by mentoring you know we as a group of like kids in the 20s going door to door in detroit on saturday because we knew all the doctors and a bunch of survivors you know we went to the docs and said hey you know which rooms really need pump ups you know which of these kids are alone and we'll just walk in introduce ourselves and talk to them and give them a pump up and like we didn't really know what we were doing other than you know they needed it and we were recent survivors and we knew that we could just give them some positive energy but what we learned and that slowly morphed into what is now now and as now known as Zimmerman Angels um, it's healing mm -hmm. and it's a sense of purpose it sucks at many times and it does it is scary and hard but when you all of a sudden you're saying well whatever it is if you wrap it up in a box and you're giving it to help someone else that's a gift mm -hmm. You know, your story, your friendship, your volunteering, your time, 
You know, we survivors do this because we're grateful and we care. But in that process of giving that gift, we heal and we find peace. And we stop thinking, oh, my God, is my cancer coming back? Oh, my God, is it? I feel this, like, in the kneecap, like you said, John. <laughs> we all have that, by the way. I think it's, like, universal. I mean, it's like you feel a bump on your I neck. I know. It's like, you know, my ear hurts. <laughs> um, Albert, do you, my husband, Albert, do you think I have ear cancer? He's like, okay, really? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're normal. We all do this stuff. I mean, literally, we all get it. We all do it. And I think the way to release the fear of it coming back mm. in ourselves mm, and finding peace in the world is by sharing and giving back. We yeah. sort of take the spotlight off of ourselves and our own fears, and it, now it's on someone else, and we're helping them through it. I think that's how we heal. That's how we release the fear of it coming back, and that's how we channel something from hard and painful and scary into positive. Mm. Can you follow that up, Carl? <laughs> it's always tough following you two, uh, especially because you two have beat it, all right? And you lived it, and Joey's beat it. And I can't imagine, okay, this lump here. I mean, I, I do it from a father's perspective. You know, for years, every time Joey coughed, I said, it's coming back, okay? So uh, I'll do whatever I can to help anybody that is helping a child through it, their child through it. The relationship that we built, Johnny, uh, 18 months ago, my mom was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer, okay? All right? You said, this is who I know at Rush. Here's the best. This is what you need to do. So th who knows whenever you're going to need it or a friend's going to need it, and you do the very best you can, and we all pull each other through. We do, and I can attest to, to Carl's support and, to your point, many of those positive text messages him calling me a champ i think I, he checked in he knew he knew my chemo I, schedule i wear two I don't bands know. i wear yeah. two bands yeah. around my wrist i've got uh, the the blue band for joey and the, and the pink band for my friend jen and it hasn't come off yeah. right and everybody handles it different ways my wife took hers off i burned mine in life, <laughs> right but everybody has it joey would never put it on i burned it <laughs> huh? Everybody handled it I was done. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been an incredibly emotional and powerful conversation. I want to thank both of you for taking the time to spend with us today. It was great. You're both awesome. Thanks so much for having us. I'm so grateful Johnny and Carl could be with us today. Thank you to our producers and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com, or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword WorkWell, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series, or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well. 